Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Violinist on a Bicycle. I'm your host, Susie McKenzie Suter, and I'm super excited to have pianist and music educator Morgan Page Melbourne on the podcast today. Morgan Page is a Toronto-based pianist who has performed extensively in festivals and as a resident pianist in Toronto, the greater Toronto area, Guelph, Bahamas, as well as Montreal and France. I actually first got wind of Morgan through a professional development day through my work as a music teacher at Sistema New Brunswick. Morgan works with Sistema Toronto, and for those who don't know, a Sistema music program is a non-profit music program modeled after a Venezuelan music program, which offers music to socioeconomically disadvantaged communities. What I loved about Morgan's talk from Sistema Toronto was the focus on creating anti-racist spaces in classical music. This is definitely something that needs to be tackled by music education and performing groups, as classical music is so highly entrenched in white western exclusive values. I was really inspired by Morgan and messaged her and asked if she'd speak and I'm so excited that she could come on this podcast to talk more in depth about music, social change, and promoting anti-racism in these spaces. Hey Morgan. Hey Susie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm super excited for this episode to have you. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, I just introduced you somewhat to the podcast. And for those listening, I heard about Morgan through a presentation she gave with Sistema Toronto to Sistema New Brunswick, where I work. And so I've read your, your bio, Morgan, but I'm wondering if you could kind of introduce yourself, you know, what you do as a, as a performing pianist and a, an educator in Toronto. Oh, certainly. So I am a freelance pianist. I like to venture in multiple genres, uh, mm-hmm. but I was trained in classical and romantic music. I am a contemporary artist and I like to premiere others' work as well. And I collaborate with various organizations, be it dance or art or short film, Mm -hmm. um, since I compose for them as well. And I work as a teaching artist at Sistema Toronto, as well as a few other places where we provide free music education for youth from troubled homes. Yeah, that's amazing. I know when I first heard you speak at the at the session is Sistema Toronto, there was a lot of really, really important things that you brought up. And in that presentation, it was, you know, anti-racism in general, but also more specifically in classical music. Um, So I'm wondering, would you kind of be able to talk to the listeners about, you know, what what is anti-racism versus not just being uh, non-racist? So anti-racism is the practice of allyship and working towards a more inclusive, diverse diverse and equitable and equal 
environment for people of like BIPOC individuals and of those coming from those communities. And it's not just a matter of like standing up for your peers who are from BIPOC communities, but also being able to practice it yourself, being right. aware of the privilege that you're in your position and not in a form to condescend yourself, but being able to be open to understanding and learning and listening to those around you. Right. No, totally. And how do you, as like a teacher and also through Systema Toronto, um, how do you, that organization and in your own practice, promote that kind of anti-racism? What I, um, what's important most of all is representation. So mm-hmm. uh, our organization has been able to create this wonderful plethora of teaching artists from all different backgrounds just Mm. so our students are able to feel connected and can see themselves doing these various things no matter the color of their skin or Mm. where they're coming from so being able to have that sort of representation just gives light into the situation of what it is that they can do in the future whether they do want to go into music or any other field but something that they're able to to look towards and as well we do our best to keep the practice of having those th- th- tough conversations and, and recognizing the issues that are going on within our organization. How can we approach it? What are the next steps that we take? We right. know that it's something that will turn tenfold immediately, but they, they are steps towards a better understanding and a better way of being able to implement these practices. So always acknowledging, well, first off, even acknowledging that the land that we're on, the land is right. not ours. It belongs to, um, it belongs to the individuals who were here, but way far before us and much longer than we have been, you know, and taking that into account. And as well as they're, while they're also studying these things, recognizing that it's not just, <laughs> just like constants, the old, just, uh, white males that were performing the old music, but you know, introducing to them that music, yes, but also realizing that there are others out there as well, and just creating and opening to that world that there's so much out there that it's you just have to keep looking for it. Absolutely, um, Morgan. Sorry, I think some of I I couldn't quite hear what when you were speaking about um, Indigenous Canadians, I wonder... Oh, my apologies. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I think that's a little bit better. It just cut out a little bit. Um, But yeah, if you could um, kind of repeat what you said about, you know, the land. Um, Oh, absolutely. We we, uh, practice land acknowledgement, Mm -hmm. just recognizing those who have been there far before us um, for the indigenous tribes in the and the specific area that we are in right. and we make sure that those our kids are aware of that um, every day and it's something that we keep practicing as well yeah no that's that's super important that what you're saying about representation I think is super important too and that's kind of a trap that I feel like a lot of teachers like we fall into as music teachers like oh let's let's introduce these kids to the the Bach minuets that we learned when we were learning um, piano or violin or what have you. And, you know, that's really not all that's there. <laughs> that's just what we've been fed through this canon. Um, 
And can you kind of expand on how you find more diverse repertoire and artists to showcase um, as a teacher? Oh, certainly. Um, I know for the most part, even myself, I have to keep researching what's out there because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of these different paths that you have to keep trying to find. And I know growing up, it wasn't readily accessible at the time. Mm-hmm until I realized that there was, um, when I learned that there was so much more out there. For the most part, Google search is amazing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you find out so much. And that has helped me find a ton. But then there's also quite a few um, research articles and books that have been put in place as well. Right. And so even honestly, like the first step is just searching in Google. Yeah. And you can search, um, you know, Black composers within the classical world or the romantic world or even contemporary composers or whichever whichever minority uh, group you prefer you would like to research as well. Right. And there's a ton out of, out there and as well when it comes down to various techniques depending on which genre or style you're aiming for um, and there's other pieces too and there's and because now more and more are being found they're creating a larger database. At Sistema of Toronto, where I teach, we're um, growing our database where we have these works readily accessible, um, where it's a more, um, more BIPOC uh, composers that are involved. Right. And so from based on what we were able to find on the interweb and bringing it in so we have that accessible to our students. Totally. Yeah, so it's just like taking those steps, that initiative, doing the research, and then creating... A, a, a pool yeah. to draw from really absolutely absolutely yes and it, and, and, it, and it takes time too mm-hmm. especially to develop um to get a much like a big pool of what you want to work for if you can pick and choose what when you want to work on or what it is you want to do but yes you can start the internet and you find your way there and it'll lead you to a bunch of different things as well that's really admirable and I remember one thing that you mentioned um from your chat with um, with Sistema New Brunswick was that the performing performers that you bring in to Sistema Toronto, um, or where you take your students, Toronto Sistema program aims to have fifty percent BIPOC. Um, could you expand on on that? I might not have the number right. Absolutely. <laughs> so what it is um, we try to do is to make sure that the um, that who we're working with within the communities reflect our students right right so that they're able to again it's all a part of representation if the organizations that we co- are collaborating with where we have the performance coming in or when we're going to to those performances and we see them as well we want to make sure that they have um, you know the right amount of <laughs> diversity with BIPOC as well as female identifying performers or composers or artists mm-hmm. so that way that the kids are able to see themselves as a part of it right because when you go to those institutions you want to be able to feel welcome right and there are lots of times when you go I know like I've had my own experiences of when I go somewhere and I feel like I'm not allowed to, I should not be there right. <laughs> just because of just the establishment that is meant that that it is right but when you have more and more um ideals of representation and diversity out there, then you feel more inclined 
to want to go because you feel welcomed and it's something that you really want to make sure that the kids are feeling and it's something they'll be they'll be able to be engaged because sometimes sometimes it it doesn't it's not it doesn't always feel that way which is why we um started implementing like our our own policy our own community collaborative policy for whoever wants to work with us right so that they're aware of what it is we are looking for and what we stand by and this is all in solidarity with everything that we believe in absolutely no that's that's really admirable and i mean i actually i had a student a violent student ask me a few weeks ago um she said did women write music (laughs) (laughs) and that is like a nine-year-old student and I'm thinking oh my gosh that's so terrible that we haven't introduced this student to music um that was actually a private student of mine but like Mm -hmm. wow that felt like a failing on on my part (laughs) um so I totally something yeah yeah no like because it's something that we don't recognize like readily recognize because it's something that's just always been embedded within the the work like within that field right and so that's what you automatically see and so it's unfortunate that you always have that you have to dig up right female composers or BIPOC composers just to just see that because other uh, besides that you just see what the regular western standard would be but that's not the case at all Right. right and it's and it is unfortunate that it takes a lot longer but just remembering to share that 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 they were there that they were always there but we just have to just to bring it out more bring it out from the shadows totally um you know, I want to also ask you you know as you yourself are a BIPOC individual uh, classically trained musician was that, and you obviously don't have to say anything that you're not comfortable saying, but growing up in the classical music field, did you ever feel like, you know, the lack of representation, did it ever make you think like, wow, like, am I really supported in this industry? Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Ever since I was a kid. Yeah. I will never, for- I will never forget because um, I started competitions when I was nine. Mm-hmm. And that first year, I had people coming up to me, asking me, why am I here? Wow. Um, like, Black people are not supposed to play classical music. They're only supposed to do jazz. And you're oh in God. the wrong field. You're not, you don't belong here. I've had that every single year. Like, aside from what I'm already dealing with my day-to-day life, I had that every single year, every time I would go into competition. And they'll always find a try to find a way to psych me out 10 minutes before I have to go on stage. Wow. So I felt like I wasn't allowed to be there at all because they would tell me. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I and and it wasn't just myself, but my mother would get uh, would get the end of the stick as well. Wow. And we would have to, you know, we always went in pairs. But at the time, like it's just there was, uh, and especially in competition because you're trying to stay focused, there's no point in like retaliating as much because right. like it's not worth the energy but of course if there's that when that time came when we had time right it's like of course we're gonna stand up for ourselves for what's needed yeah you know and there was there was a case where even the adjudicator was so perplexed by my playing because they did not expect a black kid to play that way i'm like okay wow all right and they told that to me too. oh my god <laughs> younger so 
yeah I've I've got I've gotten quite a bit that has happened mm-hmm. I've also been there was when I was in a competition they purposely kept me um on the bottom of the list just so I wouldn't be within the top four that was actually supposed to be to go on to like the provincial level oh my god there was there were yeah it was held back and then at the time like you can't really say anything because you're not supposed to uh talk to the adjudicator about your mark or what occurred but we knew very well that something else was going on wow so there were definitely lots oh lots of situations it wasn't until within the competition it wasn't until I was 16 17 when I started gaining respect um just as a performer wow solely as a performer from other people it wasn't until I was at least 16 there were still a lot of things happening um during then but 16 and on it it took a while um and I, I still deal with it from time to time but not so much within um where I am now since I have expanded into other fields too but I still very much love and and adore playing classical music but there was a long time where I felt like I didn't belong wow that's terrible and I mean do you say that adjudicator said they expected you to play jazz is that so that was one of the parents oh wow the adjudicator was like surprised by the way of how I played and they told me that wow rather than not saying that to any of the other kids but they were surprised by my level of playing that's just appalling and I mean you you grew up in Guelph, right? Yes, yes. And and I think you're you're in your twenties, right? Um, that's just crazy. <laughs> like, I feel like I do see how much privilege I have that I have not. Like, we're roughly the same age. I grew up about fifteen minutes away from where Morgan grew up in the GTA, and that's just. It's just sickening. I mean, we often think these things aren't our current reality, but it really, it really is. And especially in such a conservative field like classical music. I mean, I'm sorry you had to deal with that and still do. It's just it's disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a part of life. But you know what? Whenever somebody tells me that I can't, that just gives me motivation right (laughs) otherwise right so every time every time I heard a no every time I heard um a line that they tried to dig at me it just gave me more fuel to just keep going and and to do what I love right because it's like if they if they're really that upset about what I'm doing then I'm doing something right no totally (laughs) you know know? um and there was a time where I wasn't even sure if it was something I want to go to just because I was so stressed out right but it wasn't until I was 13 14 when one of my when my teacher introduced me to Jesse Norman and I because I and I because I didn't know whether I would make it right across the world and so I and she introduced me to Jesse Norman, and that changed my perspective. And after that, I discovered Hazel Scott, and then I even learned Nina Simone had a classical mm-hmm. background as well. And I was like, "What? Yeah. I had no idea all of this was out there." And so I'm like, "You know what? I'm gonna do this." Totally. And so I kept at it, and I just and of course I had to work incredibly hard, so I was homeschooled, right. so I can have more time to practice um, and just really hone my skills. Mm-hmm and develop it and I am so glad that I followed through with it 
Oh, that's amazing. And I mean, all the adversity you face and now, you know, you're, you're killing it. You're a classically trained pianist, soloist, collaborator, teacher, and now you're inspiring younger children and teaching. It's really incredible what you, what you've pushed through. Um, Oh, thank yeah. You. Thank you. No, and thank you for going on the record, you know, sharing these stories, because I feel like it's really important for us to hear that. Oh, absolutely. There was, for the longest time, um, actually for most of my teen years, I felt like I couldn't use my voice, and I didn't know how. Right. And so the only way that I was able to do that was through piano. Right. And so piano became my way of saying what's on my mind, because right. I was scared I was scared to say to say things or to talk back or stand up for myself I had no idea how to do totally and so I would use music and that became that became my 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 weapon my shield and my everything you know because it wasn't because yeah it was you had the parents you had the like just the one adjudicator there but I also had teachers coming as other like other teachers as well so it was just it was a lot happening (laughs) and I just felt like I was just retreating back into my shell. So the only way that I could escape was through piano. And luckily I've met just as, just even though there were um, many uh, difficult situations along the way, there were equally and so many incredible, supportive, beautiful people that I've met along the way and who I'm still friends with to this day. And I am so glad that I've been able to make those connections um, without having to feel completely at a loss from what was going on. Absolutely. No, that's, that's really, that's really amazing. I kind of wanted to ask as well, um, we can easily Google search and, and do this research. Are there any method books, however, that you would suggest that for teaching young beginners or are more diverse um, BIPOC and women composers that you might suggest? Um, you know, to be honest, I'm still doing um, more research myself mm-hmm. for that. Uh, so I don't have any recommendations at the totally. moment. But I do, I do encourage to keep researching and seeing what method books are mm-hmm. out there because I need to do, I need to do that myself. Because totally. uh, for the most part, I, I personally, I use a a mixture of different things, but I also um, create some of my own just so I can um, portray it to um, set it to my that student's needs. Because right. not every because every student learns differently, so why alter? Um, the method books that I'm using and then I put my own um, techniques and ideas there to to suit the student that I'm working with so I haven't had the chance to, <laughs> to keep exploring, oh, totally. but I know that they I know that it is yeah. out there and it's, it's out there in the world um, but yes but if I if I do come across any I will most definitely oh yeah no I just was curious but no it sounds I mean I'm just thinking like I I recently found this um, violinist and violin teacher uh, in the States named Kanisha Rice. And she's, Mm -hmm. I think she's roughly our age. She's a black American woman and she's come out with these children's books that teach violin technique through these picture books. 
but it's really beautiful. All the characters, the illustrations show like a diverse kind of demographic. And I've been, you know, with Sistema in New Brunswick, uh, you know, 50% of my class are BIPOC um, kids. And they are so excited by this book. Um, when we when we read this book, they say, wait, like, she's, she's black. Is the writer of the book black? And they want to see and on the back of the book, there's a picture of Kanisha when she was a kid. And there, I can see they're so inspired by her. Um, It's really nice. They're like, when did she start playing? Like, is she? How old is she now? (laughs) Um, And it's, even just like that small so that has really shown me you know what representation can truly mean to kids um exactly Exactly. so I've yeah because of that I really and I find the pictures too like if I can show the kids a picture of the composer and not just kind of the name but a a photo of the composer it really Mm -hmm. It really makes a big difference. It really does because they can they can see that there are there are others like them out there who are doing the things that they that they want to do or that that they dream totally. of doing, right? And seeing that in front of you it just warms your heart so much, and it just gives that sense of hope that yeah, I can I can be a part of it. Absolutely, right? You know, and just setting setting the stage for them to excel in every way possible the best way that they can totally um no that's I'm so glad that we could um chat today um Morgan and I'm wondering you know before we before we end the episode if there's anything um you'd want to share with the listeners that we didn't touch on oh I think we covered just about anything (laughs) (laughs) or every (laughs) everything at the moment but if you if you wish to follow the work that I do you are more than welcome to follow me on my social media on my Instagram well my Instagram has has just about everything there so you can follow me there at morgan.page. Amazing so guys definitely follow Morgan she's a really inspirational Um, musician and teacher here in Canada and I'm just so thankful for your time Morgan I think everyone's gonna love um, hearing you speak oh thank you so much for the invitation this is absolutely wonderful it's wonderful speaking likewise well we'll be in touch I'll be I I'm a I'm an Instagram fan so (laughs) I'll be following you fantastic all right thank you you take care Thanks so much for listening, everyone. That was Morgan Page Melbourne, and that was just a great conversation. I'm so inspired by Morgan and the work that she does, and, you know, some of the experiences she shared. I think um, we, as Canadians and classical musicians, can really reflect on that and and think about the change that we can instill as, as music educators and performers you know, the type of representation we can do through programming and teaching. Um, There's just so much that we can do, and there's a lot of change and work that still needs to happen. So 
again, check out Morgan's page on Instagram, morgan.page.m. Um, really inspirational musician and teacher. Um, so thankful she could be on, on the podcast. Um, this podcast is made using Anchor, and it can stream to all major platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Pocket Casts, etc., So be sure to check it out, um, share it around, and stay tuned for the next episode in two weeks' time. Take care.